What is up, sweet friends, and welcome to the Imperfect Success Podcast, the podcast teaching you, a success-driven perfectionist, how to achieve your goals imperfectly. Today, we are diving into all things mental health in sports, where excellence is demanded of you basically 24-7. We're doing so with former D1 baseball player and pro wrestler turned mental health advocate and leader of the You Are Loved nonprofit, Aaron Mashbitz. Let's dive in. My name is Nicole Baker Holloman. I'm a coach for perfectionists, recovering perfectionists herself, and striver for imperfect success. I'm so excited for this conversation today because when Aaron reached out to me and we started talking about possible episode topics, he mentioned his background in sports and how he's still connected with sports today. We get a lot into that. And I started thinking about like, oh my God, what an interesting topic to talk about when it comes to mental health, when it comes to being a high achiever, when it comes to that self-love and acceptance that so many of us struggle with. So I was all game for this conversation with him. And we get into so many different topics around what does it mean to love ourselves? Why do we think that a lot of people struggle with feeling loved at our core and so much more? So I'm so excited to dive into the meat with this episode. But before we do, I want to slide in with a quick reminder because the Grounded Goal Getter Workshop is happening this Thursday. I'm so excited. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, the Grounded Goal Getter is a two-hour workshop where together we are going to create a schedule for you that works best for your goals and for your brain. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to be using neuroscience and productivity-backed scientific techniques that are going to help you create a schedule that is entirely personalized for you. Not the schedule that everyone says you need to have for time blocking or whatever the hell or just the absolute chaos that you have right now. This is about creating a schedule that you know exactly what to expect every single day. You know when to call it dunsies for the day and you have enough space to have so much free time. And I'm not talking about like "Mm, free time where I'm thinking of all the things I could be more, you could be doing that are more productive. I'm talking about free time where you can be a human freaking being outside of work and your goals. I'm so excited. It's happening this Thursday. If you haven't gotten your ticket yet, there is still time. You can go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash schedule. And by the way, real quick, we're not going to be talking about like, okay, here's the steps on how you create your schedule and fly free little doves. Go do this your own way. No, no. We are doing this on the call together so that you can get live coaching from me on your schedule so that we can continue personalizing it and continue personalizing it and continue personalizing until you look at this and you're like, oh my God, this might as well have my name and my soul stamped on it. So I'm so freaking excited. Go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash schedule or click the link in the show notes to get your tickets for the workshop this Thursday. If you cannot make it live, Yes, of course, there will be a replay. If you can make it live and you want to revisit, yes, of course, you'll still have access to the replay. It will all be available for you. All right, friends, let's dive into this episode with Aaron Mashbitz. Welcome, Aaron Mashbitz, to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I... I'm I'm really excited to talk to you today. I, I like to do my research on, on guests before they dive in. And... um. There's a lot of questions that I have for you today, but I want to start with, so we're all on the same page. Who are you? What do you do? Let's start there. 
Great. Um, big question. Well, thanks for having me on first off. And I am, my name is Aaron, Aaron Mashbitz. Um, for a long time, I went by Jackson Stone, which I'm sure we'll get into. I used to be a professional wrestler or maybe we won't, but it's like, it's a big part of my story. Um, yeah. So I used to go by Jackson Stone. Um, the podcast I have used to be called Jackson Talks Everybody for a really long time. I actually recently changed it this year, which was a big move because I retired uh, more than a year ago. So it took me a long time to even change my name. So that's a big part of my deal. Um, but now my podcast is called Something for Everybody. Um, so I do that. I I work in the baseball field as a mental skills coach and just as a baseball coach. And I own and operate a mental health nonprofit called You Are Loved. So that's sort of the uh, elevator pitch. What do you do at a bar? Uh, scenario. <laughs> I'm actually going to completely negate the questions that I have. And I, I want to ask a totally separate question, oh, shoot. which is mindset for baseball players. Mm. I'm the, the only sport that I not even dip my toe in. I'm pretty full foot in that sport, but it's formula one. I am very out of the American sports here. What are some of the biggest mindset barriers you see, particularly baseball players come up against what what i'm trying to do is to rotate these mental skills that we're trying to teach athletes into the mental health work that i do but if we're thinking about specifically for baseball players the biggest one is how to recover from a mistake or an error as quickly as possible because in baseball mm -hmm. there's a lot of what people call failure i don't use that word um because i i define failure as the refusal to move forward and so if you continue to play the game or if you continue to show up, then you're not a failure and it wasn't a, you didn't fail. You just had a mistake. And so I try to get players to frame it as that. So they made a bad throw. They swung at a bad pitch. They made an error. Um, there was a lapse in judgment. They got a bad read off the bat, whatever it was, all of these things yeah. are going to happen. They're inevitable. Same thing in life, like setbacks, rejection, heartbreak, failure, all of these things. And so if we can view it as a mistake, like they do in film where they like, oh, that was a bad take. Let's go again. Same thing, like, because I'm still showing up. Yeah, something might need a little bit of work or improvement. That's what we can work on post game with our coaches. Okay, now let's break it down in a real serious yeah. way. Okay, I need to work on this and this and this. Great. Let's focus on this this week and see if we can get better at that. But in the midst of the performance, we can't have those thoughts because then we're just going to be that much slower. And then we're going to be thinking about what happened in the last play instead of what's happening in the next play. Um, and if you use a sort of a slogan from AA, it's like, if you have one foot in the past and you have one foot in the future, you're peeing on the present. I don't want to pee on the present. I want to be, I want to be in the present. And that's most important. So for baseball, because there's about roughly six to 15 seconds in between each play. And if yeah. we're thinking about our mindset, that's a lot of time to either spiral downwards or spiral upwards. Um, especially if you made a mistake. Um, and especially, or if the ball hasn't been hit to you in a long time and you're just sort of waiting there, right? Cause baseball can yeah. get a bit boring. And so it's about being able to expect the baseball every single pitch, even though it rarely ever comes to you. And so that's important. So it's more about, it's less about focusing for the entire game and more about refocusing on a continual basis. Um, so those mm -hmm. are some of the important skills. And then like classic sports stuff is like how to handle pressure, how to be calm in the moment. Uh, things like that, how to be a good teammate, how to use your breath to calm you down, how to have big body language and good posture, how to create confidence through your self-talk. Um, things like that are super important. And then they translate into everyday life. They make you a better yeah. student. 
uh, whatever the case may be is. Um, yeah, so those are some of the things that we work on in terms of mindset for baseball players. It's just a sport that I played for a long time, so I understand sort of the minutia about it, so I can explain it in a way from experience uh, and from coaching it. And so I also I also currently play in a men's league, and I do that for a number of reasons. One, it's super fun. I like to hang out with my buddies. <laughs> but two, it's because I get to work on these things that I'm trying to teach them because I didn't know these skills when I was playing, but I know them now. And if I think of an idea, okay, does this actually work? If I explain this this way, but this guy is not getting it, so I must be explaining it wrong. Okay, I need to tell it to myself in the midst of a real baseball game. Oh, okay, I do feel more relaxed. I do feel calm. I do feel like I can see the ball better. I do feel this, this, this. Ah, this didn't really hit very well. Okay, how can I tweak it? So yeah. trying to actually be elite while trying to teach people to be elite, I think is also really important um, when we're talking about coaching or you know, being, in fr- being a leader, uh, things like that. I couldn't agree more. And I want to go back to your definition of failure. Do you mind repeating it? Yeah. So failure, I define it as the refusal to move forward. What's, how did you come up with that definition? Was there a moment? Was it gradual? Was it through baseball? Yeah. Just thinking about it like pretty deeply. And um, there's this guy I follow. His name is Dr. Michael Gervais. He's like a really, uh, he's like a really powerful sports psychologist. And I took his course and I listened to his podcast. And he was, fr- he was framing failure in a different way as well. And he says, I don't use it with my athletes anymore either. And he's someone who works with executives and NFL athletes and you know people at the top, the top of the spear. And I was like, okay, how can I frame it differently? Because for my whole life, people always said, baseball is a game of failure. And I'm like, like I get it like because you're out and you didn't get it right or you didn't get a hit or whatever like the framework is. But I was like, I kept showing up. I kept putting my cleats on every day. I kept going to practice. I kept trying. And so does that make me a failure or did I actually fail? Or is it just like, no. So it's taken me a while to sort of figure that out. But now like putting in the reps and thinking about it like super deeply, even when I play or if I have a bad podcast recording or I say too many ums, it's like, no, I wasn't a failure, dude. You kept showing up. You were still in the interview. You still asked the questions. You still did all of these things. So there's some positives to be taken away from it. Yeah, of course we can honestly look at ourselves and try to improve. But so, so I like, uh, yeah, so I, I've just come up with that and it like, really, it actually really works for me. And it's funny you asked that question. Cause I was in uh, Lake Okoboji, which is in Iowa with some of my buddies, um, from college where I played ball with last mm-hmm. week. And we were playing this game called we're not really strangers. It's a great game. It's a question game where you just like get to know each other. It's really, really, really great. Wait, um, can you, can you explain a little bit more of the premise of it? I've never heard of this. Oh yeah. We're not really strangers. Super awesome. So there's three levels. It's like perception, connection, and reflection. And you can, you can start on any level you want. Uh, I like to start on level two because they're just basically connection questions. They're like super like real important questions. Like one question might be, um, what is the greatest pain you've experienced that wasn't physical? Boom. Off the bat. Whoa. Tough. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Or like you could get a little bit more basic than that. Yeah. Like, what does your Instagram say about you? Or what do you want your Instagram to say about you? Or um, what's your I mom's love name? This. Yeah. Super. Like if you have a group of people or you're starting a new friendship, like I did it with my fiance when we were first getting together and like, I felt like we knew each other within a month. Um, yeah. So it was sweet. That. Um, but anyway, so we're playing this game and the same sort of conversation topic comes up like, um, are you, I think the question was, are you more afraid of failure or are you more afraid of success? Um, and it came to me in the question and I said, just like I said earlier, like, I I just don't use the word failure. 
So I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it. I am a little bit afraid of success, you know, but uh, maybe not too much. I I said, I'm mostly afraid of, I'm deathly afraid of not actualizing my potential. That's what scares me Hmm. um, more than anything else, like leaving something on the table, things like that. And I was like, but I don't use failure. And I explained the same thing here. It's like, well, if I, if I'm still getting up, it's not a failure. And then I think an important distinction has to be made that sometimes in life you have to grit it out and sometimes you have to quit. Like if I leave a relationship because it's just not good for me, I'm also not a failure. I made the absolute most healthiest decision for me to leave that relationship or to leave that job. Also not a failure, but there's also times in your life where you got to grit it out. Like podcasting is the perfect example. Like you're 150 episodes in and you feel like you're talking into a fucking vacuum and no (laughs) one's listening. And you're like, what? I've done 150 episodes. This is like 300 hours of content. And I feel like I can ask a decent question and I can have like sort of a sophisticated conversation. And in that moment, you're like, oh, I got to grit it out. I got to do 50 more episodes. I got to do 100 more episodes. If you quit in that moment, you were just on the cusp. You didn't even know it, but you were just on the cusp. Now, if you quit in that moment at 150 episodes and you look back at your life, yes, that's a failure. It is because Mm. you refuse to move forward. And then you have to be honest with yourself about that, about that regret, about that shame. But if you quit it for a specific reason or you're making a lateral move to do something just as hard, that's a distinction. But in that moment, you could grit it out and now you're 250 episodes in and now you're speaking to 30 people instead of zero, which is a fucking huge increase in terms of the the podcasting game and it being such a long game and and such a very infant like sort of uh, production. You know, you know, you're you're in the grind, you're in the game, you have a great podcast, obviously. So yeah, so that's sort of my came to conclusion on that idea of failure. I want to talk about grit because I don't think this is something that people talk about. At least I I don't know if you're in this algorithm on Instagram or other social media platforms, but there's a lot of like how to make things come easily to you. 10K, 100K in hundred days or whatever. It's all about like very quick, um, how to gain your followers triple over every single month. And, and while I do understand that those, those unicorn stories do exist and for them, fucking amazing, great for you. But for the majority of us, it is about that grit and that grind, but we don't see a lot of stories of grit and grind. We see a lot of that, like this, the entire premise of my interviews on the show is like, we see a lot of those overnight successes, major air quotes around that, but we don't hear about the grind in there. So can we actually, I would love to hear about what was the grind like for you in both building your podcast in baseball, in you are loved. I would just love to kind of cover the bases. Like what were the imperfect grinds of all of this? Oh man. Yeah. Grind is sort of the cornerstone. It's a very loaded. No, it's a <laughs> very it's loaded great. question. <laughs> it is, but it's an awesome question. It's the cornerstone of everything. Like but what it boils down to is if you're actually having fun just doing the thing, you're going to do it longer than anyone who just likes to get what they can from doing the thing. It's like a competitive advantage, far none, right? Just like you love doing the thing. And now I don't always love doing the thing. When I went over four with four strikeouts and I embarrassed myself at the plate and my family was watching and my dad after the game asked me if I needed to go to the eye doctor, didn't love it then, right? But yeah, it's a hilarious guy. Anyways, <laughs> shock was, on my yeah, face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in that moment, you like didn't love baseball, but I already intrinsically had grown love for it. So I was going to show up the next day because I just love doing the thing. And so I built that as an eight as an eight year old who could barely 
throw the ball. I couldn't catch. I couldn't field. But for some reason, I fell in love with the game for some reason. Like that's why it's so important for young, young people to, to play sports, not because they're all going to be professional athletes. Like 1% is, but they're going to learn so many things. They're going to fall in love with something like that. You can do when you're 30 years old, playing a men's league or whatever. You learn so many things, teammates, respect, cooperation, grit, grind, hustle, all of these things. And so I learned the grind. I started playing baseball at four, right? Fell in love with it when I was about eight, right? And then you just love doing the thing. And I was going to do it as long as I possibly could. And so when things got hard or shitty or like I felt like I wasn't very good, I was going to keep trying because I didn't really feel like I was competent at baseball until I turned 20 years old. That's 16 years of baseball every single day of my life. I mean, I was good. I was playing division one, yeah. all that stuff. So I was good, but I didn't feel it in my bones. Like, oh, like I feel this, this like yes. this is my swing. This is how I, this is my presence. Like when I walk on the field, I'm like, I don't, I don't care who's pitching. Like, let's go, dude, bring it. Like I'm fired up. Like, <laughs> even if I had a bad swing or a bad at bat or a bat, I'm like, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm loaded. I'm, le- I'm ready. And so it took me 16 years to get that way. Um, and so it's about yeah. a grind, but it's not about loving every single moment that's impossible especially if you have a job right if you have a job that you like most of the time crushing it you're crushing it right don't don't let this like this facade world of being an entrepreneur where people say everything is sunshine and roses all of the time being an Fuck entrepreneur no. is awesome it's awesome it's so hard it's, it's so awesome hard. it's such a grind it's great it's, like, it's yeah. bad it's ugly <laughs> yes yes there's freedoms that come with it but like not yeah. a lot at the beginning i'm wor- you're working 16 hour days because if you don't do it nobody else is going to do it um yeah. so there's there's pros and cons to everything um and you got to pick your heart because every path you pick is going to be hard right if you look at like uh health and fitness being overweight is really hard being in shape is really fucking hard like choose it choose your heart yeah. Um, but in terms of the grind, like you just try to learn that and in, in, at a young age. And then like what I learned in baseball was like what I used the rest of my life. Um, I moved into professional wrestling, you know, did the same thing. Okay. I'm going to grind. I love doing the thing. I love performing in front of people. I love being Jackson stone and having this charisma and swag about me. That's not really real, but it's pretend. Cause I like, you know, pretending I'm a superhero. Cause I love superheroes when I was younger, all of this stuff. Um, yeah. and then podcasting man S- same thing like i can't expect my first episode which was atrocious to you and me both you know what i mean you and me both like, and so but my, yeah so it's 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 kind of funny like and so uh i don't know if you follow chris williamson from modern wisdom mm-hmm. but he just posted about his podcast he's on episode like i don't know 630 and he just passed 1 million subscribers on youtube like a month ago and he said from episode zero to 300, that's when he gained 100K subs on, on YouTube. So it took him 300 episodes. And in one month after he passed 1 million subs, he already gained another 100,000 followers on YouTube yeah. subscribers. So everything is about how it compounds and aggregates. For the first 300 episodes, who, nobody's listening, but you just keep going because you love doing the thing. This conversation is powerful. You're going to come on my podcast and all I do, all I want to do is learn from you because I'm curious yeah. about you and, and all the things that you are an expert in. Not because I want people to, of course, I want people to listen because they're going to gain a lot of value from it. But if they don't, I gain value from it and then yeah. I can implement it into my life. And so the grind is important, but sometimes it's overemphasized because for a long time, we forgot about the other piece of the grind, which is rest and recovery. 
which is reach it to the choir, Aaron. Reach it to the choir. I mean, you know, as an athlete, like I was, it was all grind, 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 grind. And if you're not grinding, someone else is grinding. And I believe that to an extent. Yeah. I do because you have to you have to put in the work. There's no other way. Like nobody owes 100% you 100% agree. You haven't earned anything. You have to put in the work. It's about action. But on the same token, the only way that I can put in my best work is if I feel energized. How do I feel energized? I get the proper amount of sleep and rest and recovery. So part of the hard work, part of the hard work is the rest and recovery. I'm recovering just as hard as I am working so then every day I can get to the edge of my uh, the edge of my spear, the edge of my capacity. And then I just recover just as hard because I prioritize sleep and naps mm-hmm. and yoga and mobility and meditation or anything that makes you feel calm, but mostly like getting yeah. eight hours of sleep. That's like the most important thing. 100%. Because if I'm going to be the best in the world at something, whatever it is, mom, lawyer, podcaster, you know, I need to be able to eat well, move well sleep well and think well. But the cornerstone of all of that is energy because I'm not going to eat well if I have no energy. I'm not going to move at all if I have no energy. I'm definitely not going to have clarity of mind if I have no energy. And I'm definitely not going to sleep if I have no energy because I've decided that sleep's not important. So now the cornerstone of grind is making sleep a priority. Then you have enough energy to go balls to the wall, but you know when 8 p.m. hits that you have a non-negotiable that you're going to shut it down. That's when I shut it down. And so those those things are really important. The rest and recovery I didn't learn till, you know, a couple of years ago when I really started diving into sort of mental health and personal development yeah. and things like this. But like the grind got me so far. It got me, it has the chip on my shoulder. But what if I lose that edge? Someone gonna overtake me? No, because they're not doing these other things that are giving them the clarity of mind, that are giving them the brain building power. They're not moving as well, they're not eating as nutritiously because they don't think that's as important um, yeah. really you want to have that totality of those pieces, those, those foundational layers that, you know, that make us, you know, who we are. So maybe went on a bit of a tangent there, but I think it's all relevant. <laughs> I, I think it's a hundred percent relevant. And I preach this all the time to this podcast and, and um, I, I'm loving that someone who is as um, growth success mindset driven as you are is also saying these things. So it's not just me friends. It's also you. <laughs> it's good. But I, I love this idea, and we did a podcast episode on this not too long ago, was this idea of the difference between hustle and hard work mm-hmm. and how hard work is focused. It's um, having those boundaries, but it's also knowing, like, I'm a very big 80-20 principle person. It's really leaning into that 20%. It's getting out of your comfort zone. It's going balls to the walls, but it is definitely knowing what is the direction I'm heading in. Whereas I feel like this hustle culture mindset, and I think that like the Silicon Valley kind of startup culture, maybe that's just because my husband works in tech, but like, I see a lot of this it's like this flailing about, I don't know if you've read essentialism, but it's almost like that circle with like a, I just have you? like two days ago, finished it. Fucking amazing book. Like it's that circle with all the different arrows pointing around. And I feel like a lot of people think of like grind is like, okay, I got to do all these things and I got to put my, you know, spread myself super, super thin. And it's like, no, I think grind is like, let me zero in my focus on one thing do my 20% tasks, go balls to the walls with that, be really zeroed in and focused and work damn hard and then move on to the next thing and next thing and next thing. But the second we're spreading ourselves thin is when I know when I was doing that, my non-negotiable of stopping at five was 
not even non-negotiable. It was like, oh, it's five. I guess I could stop or I could keep going and I would definitely keep going. And so I think that that's just really important. I want to just highlight that because I think that's really important for this audience to understand and grasp. Yeah. I mean, you want to, as they say in the book, right? You want to do less, but better. Yes, exactly. You know? And how how do you do that? Like people say, what, well, what do I do? Well, you have to get to know yourself. And people say that all the time. Well, what do, what does that mean to get to know myself? Well, do you know what you like? Do you know what you dislike? Do you know what your core values are? Do you know what your personal philosophy is? Do you know what your main thing is? Because the main thing should be the main thing, right? Yeah. And so that's how you say no to all these other things that sound and seem good and awesome. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but they don't fit into your core tenants. They don't fit into the actual direction you're trying to go. Um, I took a class from the Flow Research Collective and they call this thing your massive transformative purpose. So like, what is what is everything you do leading to that one thing? Your daily goals, your weekly goals, your monthly goals, your yearly goals, your quarterly goals, your daily choices, all of your actions, are they leading towards your massive transformative purpose? Now, first you have to find what that is and that could take some work and diligence and experimenting and things like that. You have to just go out into the world. You have to step into the arena. You have to get bloody and sweaty and you have to have some tears and you have to fall down and you have to be like, Oh, many tears. (laughs) Yeah. All of it. And be like, what the fuck? Is this worth it? Yeah, of course it's worth it. Cause on the other side is, is is not living your purpose and not living your passion and leaving all of that untapped potential and all of your unique skills and divine traits on the table. And that is bad for the whole entire world not just you, but it's bad for the whole world. That's how much you matter. But that's also a deep responsibility. And so if we're going to find our massive transformative purpose and have everything that we think, do, and choose leading into that goal, it's very easy to do less but better. And it's also very easy to say no to these external things that pop into our uh, frame. It's not like you're saying no to like hanging out with your friends or like going on the sporadic trip. Like Those things are positive for your uh, massive transformative purpose, especially hanging out with friends and being social and going on a sporadic trip where you can be in nature yeah. and experience new things. But you're saying no to like the random crap, right? You're saying no to scrolling on Instagram for two hours because you don't know what you should be doing, right? You're able to have emotional parameters around a lot of these things. Um, yeah. Again, not perfect. You, Nicole, I, Aaron have never are not perfect. No one's ever no. been perfect. And there never will be a perfect person who's ever existed on planet Earth. No. Um, you know that that's literally your specialty, right? And so uh, it's much easier said than done to say we're not perfect, but you know, obviously. But thinking yeah. about that is is important. Um, and then thinking about what your massive transformative purpose might be, or your your wildly important goal, whatever framework you want to use around it, it's all the same. Um, but it takes time to get there, right? If you're 16 yeah. or 17 or 18 years old listening to this, you might not have it yet because you might not have enough experience in your bucket to figure out what is powerful and impactful and also can make you some money at the same time that might drive the world. And um, you know, your purpose doesn't always have to be your full-time job as well. So I think that also gets construed in sort of this hack hustle culture thingy that we got going on. Like I can have this really good full-time job because I like it. Or I, you know, some people are in a really situation where they need it. Like they have to feed their family. There's no other option. Right. And I get it. Do it. But you have a little bit of other time to find your passion. Maybe you love turtles. Sweet. Find time to enjoy that, to watch YouTube videos, to join a Facebook group, to hang out with friends that also want to talk about the uniqueness and coolness of turtles, uh, all of that stuff. That's still living in your passion and giving you a sense of joy and purpose in your life outside of the thing you do to make money because you have to make money Mm -hmm. um, because you have to. There's like no other option. That's what our world is driven by. 
Um, if you can do both together, that's really cool, but it also becomes complicated because uh, there's some burnout in there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff that can get mixed in with that. Um, but both yeah, options are very valid, right? Both options are possible. Um, but you have to find that thing, you know, that, that thing that drives you when, uh, you can't really see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're in the trenches, like, and things are hitting you hard. You're like, okay, I can get up for this, you know, and that, and your purpose might be just being a dad or a mom. Cause that's a, the mm-hmm. fucking greatest thing in the whole world. We yes. need more of that. Yeah. Right. And so you get slammed in the face and you're like, I'm, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for me because I want to be there for them. Right. And all these things are possible. Whatever your reason is behind it. Great. But know that reason um, and try and try to live through that. And so a lot of those things are important, but ha- much yeah. harder just to like me talking about it than you going about it doing it. Um, but it's possible to do it, obviously. Well, I, I have a, I have a very short story to, to support this, this, what you're saying is when I was first starting my business and I was doing like my first ever masterclass. It was online. It was on like a Facebook group and whatnot. And I had been promoting this thing. It was my first big, like quote unquote launch. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. (laughs) Like looking back, I'm like, Oh God, it was terrible. But I kept, I was ready. I did this masterclass. I logged on and no one showed up except for my mom. And that was it. And I gave that fucker my all. Every single ounce of my energy went into that masterclass where no one was watching except for literally the woman who birthed me. And that second I closed it down, I ran to, it was my boyfriend at the time, but now my husband's arms and like just bawled my eyes out and like felt really sorry for myself. And then finally, like maybe like 90 minutes later, I like rolled my shoulders back and I said, you know what? Someday, I'm going to be on a stage in front of thousands of people and I'm going to tell this story and inspire someone to get fucking out of their comfort zone and get going. Cause even if no one shows up, but their mom, they can still persevere. And like something inside me, like a fire, just like a firebolt, just like hit off like crazy. And since then that has been a very big driving force of anytime I go on and teach, like whether it's a masterclass of 250 or five, like it is always who in this audience needs to hear this message today so that they have the courage and the bravery to show up for their dreams the next day. And that has been it, as as broad a term as it seems, as broad as a mission as it seems in the moment, that is enough to get me zeroed in, locked in, in the zone. Yeah. yeah. You, you found it. You found the competitive advantage. Oh, I like how you phrase that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. Um, I do. I, I want to talk about you are loved because this is a very cool thing that you have. First and foremost, can you explain to people what the nonprofit is? You are loved. Yeah, definitely. Um, I formed you are loved a couple of years ago. Um, I, I'll, uh, I'll get into the backstory in a second. Um, but now we're, we've been a nonprofit for two years, formed it like in the midst of COVID. Um, because I didn't have a job at the time because I was a professional wrestler during COVID mm-hmm. and then you can't do shows in front of nobody. So that sort of forced my hand into the things that I was going to do probably post wrestling career, but just decided to do them. Now, one of them was going full blast on my podcast. Uh, and another was creating this actual 501 C three called you are loved. And so there's been a few iterations about like what we, what our nuts and bolts are, what we do, but um, mostly we have clothing um, all the clothing proceeds go to our donations and that uses to fund our support groups. Um, uh, we post social media every day. Um, I do some 
speaking engagements about you are loved and and sort of the mental health tips I've learned from that at middle schools and high schools and colleges and things like that. Um, but our our sort of bread and butter is creating mental health resources in the professional wrestling space because there isn't very many, and it's an interesting field. And way too many of my friends have died um, for me to not do anything about it. And so right now we do support groups every month specifically for professional wrestlers. And we run webinars about a certain topic um, where I bring in a guest or an expert, but I have two buddies who work with me who are therapists, but also professional wrestlers. So it sort of works out great. Um, So they're able to share their expertise about being a wrestler and also about um, the expertise they know from being licensed mental health therapists. Um, And so that's sort of the work. And then we have a couple of Facebook groups for conversation and connection and, uh, and things like that. One for professional wrestlers. And one for just, you know, regular people outside of it who just want to have connection and support. And I post journal prompts and reflections and questions and things like that to check in. Um, but yeah, and then we um, we use the donations to pay our therapist, but we also use it to support people's mental health treatment if they cannot afford treatment. So we'll pay for a percentage, if not all, um, through those donations, which are from just regular people donating. Um, through our Patreon or the website or through uh, the merchandise. So that's sort of what we do. Yeah. One of the things as I was looking through the website, I was looking through your guys' Instagram that really hit me. And I wanted to ask you this question is why do you think it's so hard for us as I'm going to, I'm going to go with more broad, like us as people, but you can even zero it in as just for wrestlers. Why do you think it's so difficult for us to truly believe at our core that we are loved? A lot of different things. I mean, I've always believed it, that I'm loved my whole life. I just got lucky, super lucky. My parents told me from the second I popped out, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, So like, it's all that it's the programming, it's your parenting, it's how you grew up. Um, it's the message that you received. Uh, again, I super lucky. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure how it happened. Uh, my mom's going to watch this episode because she watches every single thing that I post, whether it's That's mine amazing. or someone else's. <laughs> so shout out to her. She's fucking incredible. Uh, so I got lucky, man. I just like never one day in my life did I feel like I wasn't loved. And if we've gotten in arguments and tiffs, you know, just random things that families get into, but there's ne- there was never a moment where I walked into my house or talked to my parents where I, I felt like, oh, I don't, they don't love, no, they love me. So this is yeah. going to be fine. I mean, you know, but so that's that caveat. And so I think the opposite side of the spectrum is why people don't feel like they're loved because whoever was raising them, obviously doing the absolute best they could. I assume that because Brene Brown taught me that and it makes my life better. I'm assuming they did the best they could and, and still do, but it wasn't what the person needed. And they felt like, they weren't loved and they didn't deserve to be loved or they couldn't love themselves. Um, and so all of that messaging creates this idea that we are just unworthy sort of pieces of shit you know, mm. at the core. And, and then you hop on, you know, online and, and everyone just says, you know, just love yourself. And, I, and I've gotten a few things about you are loved that it's like, dude, it's too much. Mm. And I get that because for someone who deeply hates themselves, being told that you are loved is fucking stupid. I get that out of my face, man. I literally despise myself. And so when I get to have conversations with people, I, underst- I try to tell them there's a bridge. 
you can yeah. get to this place of self-love. And self-love doesn't mean that I love every part of myself all of the time. It's the same as a job. It means that I self-love to me means I'm actively taking care of myself. That's it. I'm actively taking care of myself. Doesn't mean I love every aspect of my body. You know, I, yeah, sometimes my nose is big and my ears are weird or my toe has a weird shape or like I didn't show up in the way I wanted to, like all sorts of yeah. things that that's okay. I don't have to like that. I don't have to love that, but I do have love for myself, which means I'm actively taking care of myself. And if you're someone who completely despises themselves and has gotten messages your whole life about that, and you see a company that says you are loved, you're turned off by it. I get that. I get that. But if you understand the premise of it and what we're trying to do, then we can, there's a bridge to get there because telling someone who hates themselves to get to you love themselves in a, in a day, it's like sprinting across America. It's impossible, but there are steps you can take. Okay. So let's think about myself. Okay. I don't really like myself, but is there one part of me that I don't fully despise? Like, I think that is moderately okay. All right. Well, like I have this friend, Jimmy, who says that I'm like a pretty good friend. Yeah. Holy shit. That's one thing. That's one th you, you show up for your friends. Okay. We can work with that. And then you just build just like any other habit that you build. Okay. Can I get to a point where I sort of don't dislike this part? And then you build that from there. And then in six months, you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm not the I'm not the worst. I'm not the worst. I'm okay. And then six months more, a year, two years, you're like, okay, maybe I don't fully love myself all of the time because no one does. That's impossible. Especially when we're thinking about our bodies, right? Those are things. The bodies are weird. Sometimes we look funky in the mirror. That's all good. Right. We're not meant to be these like people chiseled out of stone in perfection. I don't care what you see on Instagram. I don't care what you see on the bodybuilding stage. Those things are different. We're regular people yeah. living regular lives, but you can appreciate the fact that you have this body and it does magical fucking things that you'll never understand. And why not actively take care of it? Why not ha get 8,000 steps in a day or do like a yoga routine or do some Zumba or go rock climbing or do jujitsu, whatever it is. So if we yeah. can get that point. So I know the messaging on social media is tough and I, I'm, I'm at fault for this too, because I say it a lot, but if you listen to my podcast or this conversation right here, you can see really what I mean by getting to a point where you feel like you're loved and I love you. And you feel like you have this part of you that is capable of being loved. Um, but it starts with recognizing that, yeah, you just don't really like yourself. Okay. Well, how can we get there? Just steps. And it takes a long time because we're going to, we're going to overestimate what we can do in one year, but we're going to underestimate what we can do in five years. And that's especially, especially pertinent with like how we feel about ourselves. Yes. Uh, especially for coming from a place where everyone told you that you suck and you're worthless and you didn't do anything right and you've never done anything right and you're a piece of shit and you should have done this better. I can't, I like, I literally can't imagine that. And so I know mm. potentially what the end result of that is that I fucking don't like my, I suck. Like everything about me sucks and no one should be friends with me. And if I do get a good opportunity, I don't deserve it and I'm going to fuck it up because I always fuck it up. Okay, we have to work from that honest place. If that's really how you feel, then we have to accept that reality. Okay, this is yeah. your current reality. What are the steps? Tiny, minute steps. You make your habits too small to fail, and then you move from that direction. That's what it is. And so yeah. thinking about you are loved in that way, I know it can turn off some people. Uh, and I get that. I get it. Um, but I, the reason I named it that way is because I needed those words in my darkest moments. My, my sister passed away. In 2018, she died of suicide. Um, and I, like, you know, like when 
the most horrible shit in your life happens. You don't know, like, you don't know what to do. I like, I'm, sometimes I don't even know how to explain it, but I'm in this yeah. place now where it's, it's a little bit better for me, you know, five years removed. But when I was spiraling out of control, the, the three cheesiest words ever popped into my life. You are loved. Am I loved? Yeah. Like I am, I've always been loved. Well, don't yeah. other people need to hear that? Or maybe they need that reminder. Or maybe I can be that reminder. My sister was that reminder for me. She was the most joyous, non-judgmental, open-hearted person that I've ever encountered in my whole life. And when she was alive, I was not that person. I was a person who hated everyone. I actively said that. I hate everyone. I don't trust anyone until they have to prove their worth to me because I'm, I'm this narcissistic, uber-important baseball player. And she was like, no, like give them, give them a chance. They're, everyone's got love. She was that way. And so the the meaning behind all of that is is her is her story is her passion is her love and finding those words when i needed it whether it be from the universe or god or whatever you want to feel like um that's why i named it that way but i understand the connotation it has and uh, yeah. wanted to explain that um uh, because it's important no i i really i greatly appreciate the explanation and for you sharing that part of the story thank you really thank you for being so open and vulnerable on that and I want to, um, I want to go back to the moment you mentioned, like, oh, there's, there's so many things I want to touch on actually, but the big thing is I want to bring to the attention of listeners. Like you mentioned, just focus on one thing that you love about yourself or one thing that you don't absolutely 100% despise. Mm -hmm. And there's such a power. I think it's actually Tony Robbins who says where focus goes, energy flows. And there's such a power in our focus. And when we're constantly focusing and we've practiced focusing on, I hate this about myself. I hate this. No one loves me. No one cares about me. Um, everyone thinks I'm an idiot. Da, 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 da. Like when we tell ourselves these stories, we're going to literally reshape our brain and how it views the world and what it tells us. And it's going to start showing us different things. Active listeners of the podcast will remember this as the reticular activating system. And by switching like, hey, I want to start noticing things that are semi-okay. That is a really powerful way of changing what we're doing with, to interact with the world. You also said um, self, uh, self-love self is actively caring for yourself every day. I might've been paraphrasing that a little. What are some things you do? Um, I won't say every day because we're not perfect, but the majority of days that lean into that self-love, self-care. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Self-love. That's exactly what it is, right? I'm actively taking care of myself every single day. And so, um, yeah, that, that blends like with me with self-care, which is like, you know, taking care of our future self. So if you blend self-love and self-care together, that's what you're doing. Like you're looking out for yourself in the future or, or whatever that is. So for me, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty routine oriented. Um, you can ask my fiance. Sometimes it's pretty, pretty too rigid, but <laughs> yeah, me too. You and me both. Maybe we won't uh, talk about that now. But um, exercise, exercise is number one for me. I've been exercising in the weight room since I was 13. Um, you know, it started off because I wanted to get better at baseball. Then it became because I wanted to look good for girls. Um, then it went back to I needed to look good in my underwear because I was a professional wrestler. Um, now it's like just a core tenant of my life. Like it makes yeah. me feel better. Um, I like lifting weights. I like doing that something hard. I like to train. I've seen the progress in my body over a long period of time. Um, and yeah, I just, I love it. So exercise is number one. Um, I also do jujitsu. 
um, which has been a huge thing for my life. Uh, and then <clears throat> I do saunas. I do mm-hmm. uh, walks a lot. Everything I have to do is pretty much with movement. I'm not, I'm not a huge journaler. I do it every once in a while. Um, I think it's really, really beneficial and powerful. You can't know if it's not good for you unless you try it. So try it. Um, and then I, I do a a ton of meditation as well. Um, Mm. and then coaching baseball and being around young people is also a form of, of self-love and self-care for me because, uh, it teaches me, it teaches me how to be calm and collected. And am I really being the role model that I think that I can be? And there's a responsibility in that. And so that's a part of my self-care. Um, and then hanging out with my friends, you know, uh, eating popcorn with my fiance. That's always mm-hmm. fun. Uh, I think I eat too much boom chicka pop, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, so good though. <laughs> yeah. When are you guys getting married? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, not for another year, 2020, September, nice. 2024. Yeah. So we just started uh, awesome. doing all the planning and stuff, which is, which has gone amazing so far. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think about it, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I think about my self care in the same way I think about my, my foundation. I want to eat well, move well, sleep well, and think well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then I like to ask myself three questions like, what's my number one self-care strategy and how can I do it every single day? What's one thing I should start doing and what's one thing I should stop doing? And so for me, Ooh. number one self-care strategy outside of exercise is sleep. Um, so I'm trying to get eight hours of sleep. And then um, the start and stop one uh, is just a, a, another exercise you could potentially do. What's like one thing in the back of your mind that you know you should start doing? You've been seeing it a lot. You know it'd be beneficial for you, but you haven't just taken that leap. Go ahead, try it. Maybe it's journaling, potentially. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's yeah. you know, being in nature. Maybe it's a sauna, cold shower, whatever. Uh, and one thing you should stop doing. You know this thing is hurting you. You know it's not beneficial. You know it's not good for you. It doesn't make you feel good. Stop doing it. And not cold turkey. Like slowly. Okay, so maybe you you spend three hours on Instagram every day. Okay. How not? Why not? T- tomorrow, spend two hours and fifty nine minutes on Instagram. That's a win. Mm. One minute less. Yeah. One minute less. So yeah. So that's sort of what I do. And then um, I'm pretty yeah, routine oriented with my morning and my nights. Uh, yeah, the middle same. of the day kind of just depends uh, on the day. You know, uh, clients and podcasts and lunches and whatever the case may be. But yeah. So that's 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 what I do. What's something recently that you've stopped doing and what's something recently that you knew you wanted to do? It's like that back of the head. Oh, I really should, or not should, but I really want to be doing this and I just haven't taken the leap yet. What's something of each of those have you stopped doing and done recently? Uh, what did I stop? What did I stop doing? Oh, I stopped eating so much candy. Okay, good. What was the, what was the favorite candy? I have to ask. <laughs> uh, gummy worms, anything with, any, oh. yeah, anything. My my fiance is from England, so we just we were there a couple of months ago, and she brought a bunch of candy back. And I think their white chocolate is like way better than what we have here. Uh, and so I was just like devouring that. And then she was like, "You're not going to leave anything left for me. I brought it here for me. You just said you didn't want any when we were there." <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, you're right. Oh no." Uh, so yeah, but she's um she's been dialing in on her like nutrition. She hired a coach and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to follow her lead. Uh, in terms of of dialing in my my eating habits as well, so it's it's always like trying to not eat after dinner. That's what I try to stop mm. doing because I like a little snack. Um, she makes she makes great meals and they're very f- filling and perfect and awesome. And then like mm. it's like seven thirty and I'm like oh, I kind of want a snack. <laughs> uh, but so that's something I I've, I've 
majority of the time stopped doing again, not perfect. Yeah. So I still have some boom chicka pop after dinner, but uh, no, no real bad, like candy or gummy worms or things like that. So it's been yeah. an improvement. Uh, one thing I started doing was I started running. Mm. As a, yeah. as a fellow runner, well, my foot has other things to say about that, but what, what's the, how's it going with running? It's tough. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> it's really tough. Um, it's fucking yeah, hard. Like a, yeah. I'm a, I'm a weightlifting jujitsu person who played baseball. Like there's no, not nothing in those things as <laughs> let's do some running. Um, but we signed up for a fitness competition in November called it's called high rocks. And you do mm -hmm. like a uh, little over half a mile, eight times, but in between each half a mile, you have to do like a certain exercise, whether it be like farmer's carry sled pushes, lunges, burpees, all yeah. that. So, um, I can't not be in shape for that. My girlfriend or my, excuse me, my fiance, uh, it's new. You're good. <laughs> super good in shape. She plays soccer all the time. She runs all the time. She works out every morning. She's just crushing it. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to get. I got to get my shit together in terms of the running. So uh, I just started yeah. last week. It's in November, so I should be good to go. I, my body will adapt pretty quickly, which is awesome. Yeah. But yeah, that's something I started doing. It's hard, but I'm into it. I'm committed. Let's let's rock and roll. There hits this point with running. Like I'm. I'm very sure it's similar with weightlifting, where. Um, it just clicks. Like, I don't even know how else to say it. Like you ran like four five, six miles. And then you're like, Oh, I feel like I could keep going. Like that feels really good. And, um, I've done two half marathons and I was going to do a 15 K. I just got married in June. I was going to do a 15 K in June and unfortunately mm, got plantar fasciitis. So thank you. Um, so I know the wedding planning struggles very well. Let me tell you. Um, but I, I feel like there's this moment in running and it, it's, it's going full circle back to the beginning of our conversation it is this grind. You have to put in this like level of hard work and understanding what's my heart rate zone that I need to stay in. Like, um, how does my foot hit the ground? What shoes do I need to wear? That was a big one for me. Cause I was wearing definitely the wrong shoes. And I was like, why do my hips hurt? I'm 23. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, I was a few years ago when I first started, but, um, that, that, foundation to cover is so important in running. And it is also, I think of between like entrepreneurship and running, like the beginning foundations, I'm pretty sure that running was hard. <laughs> like, and that's saying something. Uh, I, yeah, I, I give my yeah. nod to running for sure. A hundred percent. It is, it is a, it's so rewarding and so fun, but man, that it definitely takes a minute. Um, I have two questions that I always ask everyone who comes on the show, which the All first right. is, um, I've been kind of rephrasing it lately. So I'm going to continue on with that. How were you imperfect this week? I mean, in most things, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, eating, you didn't eat perfectly. Um, I didn't say all of the right things all of the time. Definitely either in my personal relationships or on my podcast. Um, I didn't maximize my time as efficiently as I probably could. Yeah. Those are the three big ones. That's good. Those are good ones. Um, and then what is a goal that you've either recently accomplished or you're in the prog process of accomplishing that we can celebrate with you? Cause we're terrible at celebrating Ooh. ourselves as high achievers. Well, I mean, I just, I just got engaged not too long ago, so that's pretty good. I don't know if that was, when did you guys, a, goal. That was a goal. When did you guys get engaged? Uh, May 26th. Mm. 
Very recent. Congratulations. So exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask the proposal story? What happened? How'd you, or I don't know if who proposed to who, but how, how did the proposal go? Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. Um, it always is. So I, knew I, was gonna, <laughs> I knew that I was going to do it uh, like at some point this year. I just didn't really know when. Um, and then we had a few trips planned to go see our friends in Alabama and in Iowa. And around those were in G- July to do those. And around April, my girlfriend at the time says, hey, hey, you know, it'd be really cool if like we were engaged, but when we saw our friends. <laughs> <laughs> wink, 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 wink. <laughs> I was like. Oh yeah, yeah, it would be cool. That'd be so cool. Like, yeah, man. All right. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Uh, so like the next day I was texted my mom. I was like, yo, we we got a time frame here, Ma. We gotta go. <laughs> um, so I was like in the middle of baseball season. So we have games every weekend. So the only off weekend we had was the weekend of May 26th. So I bought a ring. I planned like a little staycation at this resort in Dallas, and I told my fiance hey don't plan anything i got some plan so she had like a little inkling that it might happen because i don't plan anything like without like asking her you know obviously yeah um so (laughs) we checked in on a friday uh we got into the hotel around four she's going to the bathroom like when we put her stuff down and when she goes to the bathroom i asked her if she's like just washing her hands she's going number one she's going number two just so i like had enough time to like get my my stuff together because i was like yeah super nervous like, i don't know if i lost the ring did it fall through the bag yeah where's the ring oh my god so she come out of the bathroom i'm on my knee my hands shaking like crazy um i'm sure i was extremely sophisticated with my speech and my language i'm sure i said all of the right things i don't remember what they were but i did say <laughs> will you marry me and i did say i love you and she said yes those are t- um, two very important things <laughs> And so, yeah, and it worked out perfectly. And then uh, we called her, her mom, who still lives in England. Um, so she was excited to get a call. She knew about it, but she didn't think she was going to get a call till the next morning. Um, so that's why I did it as early as I could because they're six hours away. So that was like an awesome call. She was, you know, through the moon and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, that's how I did. And we had a great weekend. And I had a surprise little party for her the next day that her friends put on, which was beautiful. And they did a great job. Everyone was good enough to lie to her, not tell her the truth about the party. So that was awesome. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, now we're, now we're in the midst of planning a wedding and getting photography and DJ and all that good stuff. So it's going awesome. Oh yeah. Wow. Uh, I love, I love proposal stories cause they are always so like derpy is not the right word, but it's the word I'm thinking of. Like, there's always just this element of like, I had this expectation and then this happened. Like, I just, I love them for that reason. So thank you for sharing. That's so fun. Um, Aaron, where can people find you? I know you also have a uh, gift that you're uh, wanting to give out a code for listeners. Give us all the things. Uh, Yeah. Um, So the, the, The uh, everywhere you can find me is like at uh, Aaron Mashbits, basically um, AaronMashbits.com. Podcast is something for everybody. If you want any more information about you are loved, you can go to you are lovedlife.com. Um, but I do have some some clothing. There's podcast merch. There's all that stuff. That's where this hat is from. It's called shopforeverybody.com, and um, you can just use the code Baker uh, and you get twenty uh, percent off. So awesome. Thank you so much. I, I was checking out the store right before hopping in and um, there are some really cute things. I was like, oh, I love this. And then I clicked on one of them and I saw that um, 
it says, please add one of these five charities that you'd like to give a portion of proceeds to go to. And I was, I was so taken aback. I thought that was so incredibly cool. So I'm most definitely going to be getting a shirt and uh, contributing to the Trevor Project, which is one of my favorite charities. So thank you for doing that. That's oh, yeah, awesome. sure. Yeah, I guess I forgot to mention that's sort of the sort of the purpose of the whole <laughs> no brand. But, yeah, but so thanks. Thanks for doing a better job. Than me. Oh, you're, you're, I actually I had it in my notes because I really wanted to highlight it because I thought that was just I thought that was just awesome. Aaron, you rock all of the links to all of this is going to be in the show notes as well. I can't wait to chat with you on your show. And I hope you have just an awesome day. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Love the conversation. I I adored this conversation. I really, really did. I think Aaron is fascinating. And I hope you guys got as much goodies out of this episode as I did. I'm going to just do a quick little dropping of all of his things again. And all of these links will be in the show notes. He's on Instagram at Aaron Mashbits and at You Are Loved Life. He also has a podcast, Something for Everybody. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts, just like you're listening to this one. He also has a clothing line called shopforeverybody.com. And he was awesome giving us that 20% off discount, which is Baker 20. And um, you know, I'm about to go get a shirt and I'm so excited. And I love that it's donated to charity and all that kind of stuff. And last but not least, he has his website for the nonprofit, You Are Loved Life. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the show today. Friendly reminder that the Grounded Goal Getter Workshop, creating a schedule that works best for you, your goals, and your brain is happening this Thursday and tickets are still available. So if you go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash schedule, you will be able to sign up for the workshop there. There's also the link in the show notes. Sweet friends, keep striving for imperfect success and I will talk to you soon. Bye.